Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Why don't you take a seat? It's nice to see you today. How are we all doing? We good? Everyone managed to not slip over, and I'm enjoying the frosts in the morning. They're still novel enough for, uh, for me. Harriet likes to eat the ice off the top of the car, which I'm just assuming is sanitary, right? Because it's up high, and I check it for bird poop first, so it, uh, it, it all works out. But I want to say a very warm welcome to church today. If we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Jono, and a warm welcome if you're joining us online. I know in the current season with a bit of the, the winter, winter woolies, I was going to call it, but that doesn't make any sense, right? That's what you put on to avoid getting sick. With the uh, winter sicknesses going around, that we have people streaming in uh, all the time, and so it's a, it's a pleasure to have you with us here today as well. Well, uh, you, hopefully you, you are aware. If you're not, then uh, surprise. But today uh, we are celebrating and we are taking up and we're talking to uh, our miracle offering. Uh, and, and maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know what that means. And uh, I'm instantly uncomfortable. Those two words, I, I don't know how I feel about miracles, which hopefully you're pro-miracles. Uh, but I, and I don't know how I feel about offerings, right? Which hopefully we're also pro-offerings. And today really what we, we want to do is, is I want to say uh, today is something that we do once a year. Once a year, we take a moment in our kind of church calendar to, to reflect on the fact that we believe that being a generous people is important. In fact, we take a moment once a year to be, we could say, to be intentional about our generosity. And, and something like today, we talk about a miracle offering, it's different than our, our regular practice of tithing. And, and I'm not going to kind of get into the differences today, but I'm more than happy to, to talk through that for anyone who's got any questions. But essentially, tithing is a, a biblical principle that we use as a practice in, in following Jesus. And, and, and I want to be very clear at the start. It's an act of trust. right? And in fact, all of today, really, if I was to, to boil it down to one thing, we're talking about trust. And, and today in the room, online, however you might be with us, you don't have to tithe. You don't have to give in, in any way to be a part of this community. Just like you don't have to Sabbath, just like you don't have to pray, just like you don't have to serve, just like you don't have to read your Bible. But we do happen to think that all of these things are really good for us. There's not a compulsion that we have to do any of them, but we are actually so convinced that it is a life-giving way to live that we want to invite you into it, that these practices, these things that we can do, do not earn God's love, but they are super helpful in helping us to follow Jesus well. And so it's our commitment that as a community of faith, we want to talk about these things. We want to talk about how do we rest well? How do we pray? How do we serve well? How do we give in a generous way? And so we will talk about them so that they don't just become habits, things that we do, good things that we do, but without the intentionality behind them. Today, before I kind of jump into it, I want to make sure that we're all on the the, the same page because I do want to acknowledge that in this kind of day and age, topics like generosity in a faith community can be contentious for people. Yeah, maybe you've already heard us mention it, and, and if you're honest with yourselves, you've made a prejudgment about where this is going, what we're going to say, and you're like, man, I'm just going to have to write it out, plaster a smile on my face, hope no one notices that I profoundly disagree, and then never come back ever again. I hope that is not the case, but, but my ask of you would be, hey, 
suspend that, that place of, of just a maybe for long enough that, that maybe you would actually believe we have your best interests at heart. That maybe actually there's something from the way of Jesus that calls us into a way of life that, that we find life and life abundantly, not in a bargaining with God, not in a manipulating God way, but in a coming into the, the rhythms of, of how life is. So I want to be very clear, today is not about shaking anyone down, right? To, to quote Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, he says, We only ever want to give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a uh, cheerful giver. Right, if today you're like, I'm feeling compelled, I'm feeling under pressure, it's not what we're going for because that robs you of the blessing in, in being generous. And, and as an important aside, and this is kind of my, my housekeeping, you know, usually we don't have to point out where the toilets are, but when we're talking about generosity, I think we need to, to frame up some things well to say, hey, here's the toilets, here's what to do in an emergency. I just wanna be clear, I'm not actually gonna tell you about toilets, but it's, that's an analogy. Uh, but, and the other important thing I, need to, I think we need to realize is, is that if you're here today and you're in, in bad debt, right? To, to give for you today would mean to, to take out some sort of a loan. I would suggest that the best thing for you to do the, the, the best way for you to manage what you have well is to get out from under that debt. And I wanna say, we wanna be a part of that too, right? We're not just here to say, hey, let's be generous, let's give. We're also here to say, hey, if things are hard, we wanna come alongside you and help you in that. A big part of what we use Miracle Offering for is to set ourselves up as a Christians Against Poverty Debt Center, where we're, we're helping people in our community who are under the weight of, of money chaos. And if you're here today and you're saying, hey, that's me too, we wanna help those in our community as well. And so if we can be a part of that, you can get in touch with CAP and they'll refer you through to us or you can just speak to someone after the service. And I know I can say that like it's a really easy thing to do. Yeah, I know that, that that's a thing to do and it, it, it takes some, some real courage, but I wanna say if we can help, we want to help, but you're the only one who can let us help, yeah? Is that all right? So today is a day to celebrate generosity. It's not a day where anyone uh, should hopefully feel compelled, but where we celebrate what we get to do. Is that good? Awesome. We're going to get into it in a minute, but why don't you bow your heads with me and, uh, and let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you that, that even if things like generosity are not necessarily the easiest things to talk about, God, they're so important because you say where our, our treasure is, there our hearts are also. God, and it can be so tempting to put our trust in things that, that cannot bear the weight of, of that trust to turn to things that are not you and, and ask them to be God, to only have them fall apart in our hands. So today, would we leave here, if nothing else, more assured of the fact that you are a trustworthy God, that we can walk in relationship with you, that we can walk in reliance on you, that you are not far away, that you are not distant, that you do not leave us on our own, but that you are with us in our life. God, I pray today, it would not be my ideas, it would not be my words, God, that I would not convince us of anything, but that you would speak. God, where it is of me, would it fall to the ground? But where it is of you, would it land in our hearts? God, I pray today in my weakness, would you be proved strong? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, now I, I wanna acknowledge for some of us in the room today, you're like, Jono, bad timing. Right, like, I don't know, Jono, I don't know if you've been paying attention to kind of the current state of the economy. Like inflation has stabilized, but we are still in, like it's, no one's walking around being like, Hey, dollar dollar bills, y'all. Like, I'm, I'm flush with it. I mean, if you are, that's amazing, right? We're, we're very grateful for you. And uh, I would also like you to tell me how you managed to do that because I would like to step into uh, that side of the equation, right? 
But, but I want to acknowledge that, that we are in the middle of a, a cost of living crisis, according to the media, that things are tight, that we're coming up to election, that, that you know, mortgage rates are, are higher than they've been. We've seen the highest increase in mortgage rates in the recent history in terms of how quickly it's gone up. And so when we start to talk about generosity, maybe for some of us in the room today, you're like, Jono, wrong message, right? We should be talking uh, about how to tighten our belts, we should be talking about how to get through. John, if you've got some sort of way that we can, multi, the, the, the fishes and the loaves thing, I could really do with that because food's expensive. So if you could help me to make my pantry like magically duplicate, that, that message would be more of an appropriate message, please, today. Right? I'm in need of some magic tricks to get through. I want to acknowledge the situation that, that we might be in uh, today. I, I know where, where you're coming from. But, but the reality is, is just as we talked about a few weeks ago in, in celebrating Matariki, it's often not actually in the, the spring or the summer seasons that we sow. It's actually not often in the, in the seasons where everything is going well that we need to be mindful of what we're doing with our seed. It's easy to be, gener- to be generous in, in the seasons of plenty. It's in the seasons where it's a bit of a winter season and we're asking ourselves, am I going to put this in the ground and trust or am I gonna feed myself that we have to stop and take a moment and say, who am I actually trusting in in this? In my life, who's going to be my provider? And I'm not saying that we're, we're foolish in our approach, but there is a place where we need to get to in our lives where we say, actually, do I trust in God to be God or do I think that I need to occupy that place in my own life? Today, I simply wanna ask the question, where will you sow? You know, I started today by saying that we don't want to give under compulsion. That's Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. And I'd just love to, to kind of set the scene today by reading the, the whole passage. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this is verses 6 to 11 in the, the message version this time. says this, Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the wind, giving to the needy and reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes the bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away which grows into full formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Now, let's be honest, when we read that passage from from Paul, some of it we're like, man, that that sounds awesome. And, And some of it we're like, that makes me come out in a bit of a cold sweat. Right, like giving with generous abandon, throwing caution to the wind. That sounds like bad advice. I think that I need more caution. I'm trying to reclaim my caution from the wind, right? Like this does not seem like a, a good idea. This, this idea of, of giving in such a generous way can make us really uncomfortable. And I think it's important to look at that and be like, well, it's in the Bible, so we kind of got to deal with that. Why does it make us so uncomfortable? You know, it's, it's interesting. The world that we live in now is both very different and very similar to the ancient world of the Corinthians that Paul wrote this letter to, right? The, the, the world of the Corinthians was saturated in, in sacrifice. 
not just for the Israelites under the law, but everyone was involved in this sacrifice and, and temple worship. In fact, whenever anything went wrong, the first thing that a person would look at was, what have I been giving to the, the gods, the lower G gods, because my suffering must be an indication that they're angry. If something has gone wrong in my life, I must not have appeased the angry gods enough. And so I need to give more or I need to give something that is more costly to me to appease the gods. Right, And the system that they lived in resulted in insecurity and anxiety because you never knew if you'd given enough. Right, It wasn't like, you know, when you think of those kind of like the primary schools who are trying to build a new playground and you've got the thermometer and you're, you're filling it up to get it to the right place. Some of us have had flannel graphs like that in church. We're trying to replace like a, you know, something that's broken. Like, hey, we're driving towards it. It wasn't like you had that in the ancient antiquity temple system, right? Well, just give this much and then the gods won't be angry at you and you'll get a good harvest. It didn't work that way. And, and, and so you were living in this constant tension of if you gave too much, then you didn't have enough to live on to survive the season, right? If you bought all of your harvest into the temple and you, you gave away all of your food, what are you gonna eat? But at the same time, if you didn't give enough, then you wouldn't appease the gods and so your next harvest would fail and then you wouldn't have enough to eat either and so you'd starve either way. Starvation, starvation. It wasn't a good kind of options, right? It was a worldview that was motivated by, by scarcity, Maybe we could say it was motivated by, by a quote, something like this. There's not enough, so I better make sure I do all I can to get what I need. But if I was to distill it down, that would be the, the context into which Paul is writing to these Corinthians. There is not enough, and so I better make sure that I do all that I can so that I get what I need. Now, maybe today we're not nervous about angry gods causing our crops to fail, but a statement like that rings true, doesn't it? In today's day and age, in the current economic climate, there is not enough, and so I better do all that I can to make sure that I get what I need. You know, I think our response in society is generally we, we either hustle or we deny. Right, we, we hustle, we do everything in our power to, to amass, to make more, to have more, to be in more control. Right, we work longer hours, we, we try and be wise with our things, we try and find the hack that no one else has found, that oh, if I just put my money in this thing, it's gonna quadruple in, in two weeks and no one else has found out about it. That's because it's a scam. <laughs> right, we hustle, hustle, hustle to try and amass and, and be more in control of what we have. Or we deny, we don't think about our future. We close our eyes to, to housing prices or, or the cost of living, and we just hope that it's all going to work out. We spend now, and we pay later, and we just think, man, if I ignore it long enough, surely it will settle itself down. See, both approaches, hustling or, or denying, really they're motivated by fear. Fear that there's not enough. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we need to acknowledge we ache for control which is hard because the generosity that the Bible teaches, that, that it invited, invites us to, it asks us to give up that control. The generosity of the Bible, in fact, the very reason for that generosity is it asks us to trust God because God sees resources. He sees money differently than we do. You know, I think it's, it's interesting. When, when God first frees the Israelites from Pharaoh, they flee into the wilderness, Right? And, and there they are in the wilderness on their way to a place of more than enough. They're, they're moving towards the promised land, a land flowing with, with milk and honey. They're on their way there, but they're not there yet. And, and on their way, they start to worry, right? Because in Egypt, they were enslaved. 
In Egypt, they were subject to an attempted genocide, but, but at least their suffering was a known quantity. They knew what they could expect day in and day out. They, they, they worried about what they're going to eat. Like, in Egypt, we were enslaved. In Egypt, we were killed. But in Egypt, at least we got a regular meal every day. And now we're out here in the wilderness, and we don't know what we're going to eat tomorrow. We don't know how things are going to work out. And in answer to the people's fears and, and complaints, God does something extraordinary. God provides a, a bread-like substance appears every morning. And they say, manhu, which is translated as, as mana. It's Hebrew for what is it? That's where we get this word mana. Right? And, and they're shocked because they'd, they'd never received before bread as a free gift that they couldn't control, predict, plan for, or own. See, in this moment of, of insecurity and, and not knowing what the future holds and not knowing where they are going as a people, God reestablishes. Even when you're afraid, even when you're filled with doubt, even when you are full of fear, when you aren't even faithful, God still is. He still provides. And, and then these three things happen with this bread, this manna we see in Exodus 16. First, everyone has enough, which again is, is a experience they are unfamiliar with. No one has ever had enough in Egypt. No one ever was fed to the point of being able to, to put to bed those, those hunger pains. So first of all, they're like, this is amazing. We have enough. But, but second, because of the insecurity of Egypt, the, the way that they were controlled by, by food in Egypt, the, the Israelites are afraid of not having enough, afraid of scarcity. And so the people are like, man, we've got this manna here today. We need, to, we need to store this. We need to hoard this because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And, and so God's provided today. Thanks be to God. That's amazing. But uh, who knows what God's going to do tomorrow, right? Like God might change his mind. We don't know. God could be angry. So let's try and hang on to the mana so that we can look after ourselves tomorrow. God, thanks for looking after us today. That's amazing. We've got tomorrow. And so they would try and store it. But every time they tried to store the bread, the bread would turn sour overnight and it, it wouldn't keep. They couldn't provide for their own tomorrow. They had to trust each day. And, and then finally, this, this amazing thing happens. Moses sees what's going on. He sees this, even though God is providing, there's still this inbuilt temptation in the Israelites, and I would suggest in us, to try and look out for ourselves, to be our own providers, to, to amass control over our own lives. And so Moses says to them, you know what we need to do? We need, to, we need to go back to what God did in Genesis. We, we need to bring back Sabbath. Sabbath means that there's enough bread. Sabbath means that, that one day a week, we don't have to hustle. We don't have to try and make it work. One day a week, we just sit back and say, God, you provide every day. This day, we stop working to remind ourselves that even when we do not feel like we've done enough work, we can rely on you. That actually, we are not our own gods. And actually, you are not some, some cheerleader who helps us out with, with food issues, but you are our provider, you are our sustainer, you are our God, that we do not want to trust in ourselves over you. We want to trust in you. I think, John, this, this is all, these are lovely stories, and, you know, that, that's cool, but what, what does this have to do with miracle offering, right? Like today, I thought we were talking about intentional generosity, and, and, and what is... What is mana and scarcity and, and hustle and, and all the, what does this have to do with? Well, I think, I think our relationship with our resource and our rest, right? With money, mana, and Sabbath, with, with the way that we see these things are direct indications of our relationship with God. 
I think Jesus says it best in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 to 25. You may be familiar with this. He says this, no one can serve two masters, right? Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? See, just like Paul in Corinthians, where he's like, hey, be generous, give extravagantly, trust God. The words of Jesus here, they make us uncomfortable, don't they? Like the, the second bit, we're all about. Like, hey, don't worry about, about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. We're like, yeah, I don't want to worry. That's amazing. Receive that. But the first bit where it says, hey, you cannot serve both God and money. One thing is going to have to be the God in your life. We're like, well, that's very inconvenient. Because when I have enough money, I feel really good. When I feel like I can provide for myself, when I feel like the future is secure, I feel great. The shadow side of that is when I do not feel like I have enough money, I don't feel so good. Maybe you're here today and you're actually hearing that and you're like, yeah, I received that because having enough money is not an option for me. Cannot seem to make that work, right? Would love to be able to be on that side of the equation, but today I'm not sure how things are going to pan out. And so I'm in a place of I just have to trust in God. Because what else am I going to, to trust in? I want to say it's all right if these words of Jesus make us a, a little bit uncomfortable. In fact, it's more all right. Let's double down on that. Has anyone got capacity for one little bit more of uncomfortability? It's tough if you don't because it's in my notes, right? We're committed to it. It's down here in, in ink. It just has to happen. One of the other hard sayings of Jesus, one of the, the bits that we like to skip over can be found in Mark chapter 10. You know, I know the story, a rich man comes to Jesus and he says, what do I need to do to be in the kingdom of God? What do I need to do to be a part of this, this new thing that you're talking about? And they have this conversation and it ends in a really uncomfortable way. And in verse 21, Jesus looks at him and loves him, it says. And then he says to him, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, now, this is a confusing bit of the Bible because what is Jesus saying? Because there's no point in, in the Bible, there's no place anywhere else that we are commanded to go voluntarily into poverty, to give away everything that we have. Jesus doesn't quote scripture, does he? Like he doesn't say, as it says in the law, give everything away to the poor, because it doesn't say that. It does say, look after the poor. It does say, hey, these are the ways that we should make sure that society looks after those who are, who are impoverished and the least of these. But it doesn't say, hey, you just need to go into, into poverty yourself. So, so what's Jesus doing here? Right, why is he saying to do this if he's not kind of building on this pre-established idea? Well, in some translations, after the young man has gone away, in fact, if you have the King James translation, you'll see it, the disciples turn to Jesus and they ask exactly that. They're like, Jesus, that was weird. What's going on? Why did you say that? Like, what, what, I, I didn't think, do, do we have to give away? Like, I've left a, a business back here and like, I didn't sell every, like, what are we doing here? Do we... Do we have to give away everything that we have to follow you? To which Jesus replies, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Which again, is not very helpful. Especially if you're like me and you live in the Western world where even if we're in a, a cost of living crisis and things are getting tight, still in a global perspective, we are by far the rich. We are in the most privileged position where we even get to have the privilege of saying, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford to pay for these things. 
where there is a, a vast majority of people in the world who that's just not an option. It's not will I or won't I, it's I do not have enough. How do I get by on not enough? Right, we're in this position of the rich. And, and then in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 to 10, again, Paul doesn't help with this. Jesus says something that makes us uncomfortable, and Paul's like, hold my beer. It might be inappropriate. I don't know if Paul drank beer, right? Or if it was technically invented, hold my wine. You think that made them uncomfortable, Jesus? Let's see this, right? Paul says in, in 1 Timothy, those who want to get rich, right? Not only, not only the rich, not only is it hard for the rich to get into the kingdom of heaven, but just even those who want to get rich, right? Which for all of us, we're like, yeah, stinking rich people, harder for them to follow Jesus. Now, like those who want to get rich, like, well, damn, that's me. I was feeling proud about the fact that I wasn't rich for once. I thought I had something going for me and now I want to get rich. And, and the, now it's Paul, come on, right? Those who want to get rich fall into all times of temptation and a trap. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. See, what, what Jesus is saying is that the trouble with the man is not his money as such. When he talks to Zacchaeus, who's a rich tax collector, he tells Zacchaeus to give away half of his money to pay the debts of the people that he's ripped off, right? Doesn't tell Zacchaeus to get rid of all of his money. Other times when he talks to Nicodemus, who is also very wealthy, he doesn't bring up money at all. So it can't be, it's not like every time Jesus talks to someone who's wealthy, he's like, get rid of your money, that's bad. So, so it must be something more than just money. Instead, it's this man's attitude to money. We could say it this way. What he's saying to him essentially is money has become your trust. It's, it's become the thing that makes you feel like you have a place in the world. It's become your defining factor. It's what makes you who you are. It's become your identity. You're not living in trust of God that he is an abundant God. You're living in scarcity. Money has become your God. And so because of that, will you get rid of it? See, the importance of a rhythm like today where we look at what we have and we look at how are we being generous with the things in our hands as we so easily create an idol of money, right? What, what is an idol? An idol is a good thing that we decide to turn into a God. An idol is, is a good thing that we put in the center and Jesus challenges the man to enable him to see that he could get free from, from the idolatry of money. See, I think all of us can, can learn from this because he doesn't just say, give away all of your money. He says, give away all of your money and follow me. Right? He's, he's saying, I want you to see that if you have me, you have everything you need. Now, that doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. That doesn't mean that we embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and, and instantly a million dollars is deposited in our bank account. I would not mind if that was the case. But maybe I'm praying the prayer wrong because that hasn't happened for me yet, Right? It's not saying that, that when we follow Jesus that everything gets easier, that it's a get-rich-quick scheme, right? For all we know, if the young man had said yes, Jesus would have said, done the very same thing with him that God had done with Abraham and Isaac, which speaking of uncomfortable passages, right? Promise it's the last one, but if we're there, we might as well look at it, right? If we remember, God says to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac, your son, the son that you've been dreaming of, the son that you've got this, this promise from me that you're gonna become the father of nations and, and you need a son to do that. And so this is the son upon whom all the weight of the promises, all of your hopes, dreams, and expectations sits on. I want you to take that son, take him up the mountain and sacrifice him. Right, which, is, which is ridiculous. Again, nowhere else in the Bible does it say anything else about human sacrifice. Right, Abraham's not like, oh yeah, that makes sense because we do that all of the time. Right? There's nothing in the Bible about it. But Abraham says, if you say to do it, then you're gonna make a way through this in some sort of way. And so, so he says, God, I'm willing. And the very second that he 
He demonstrates that he's willing. God says, you don't have to. Right, because it was actually never about Isaac. It was about your attitude. I needed you to see that Isaac wasn't your God, that, that he holds the promise, that the promise is gonna come to pass through him and his, his children, but he is not the promise giver. Right, maybe we're here today and, and maybe you've been blessed with resource. You say, God, but I feel like you've given this to me. Why would I, you know, like Nick shared, why, why would you ask me to, to give this away? Well, maybe it's a reminder that, that you hold a promise, but you do not trust the promise, you trust the promise giver. See, see, what I would say is the reality is that everyone who follows Jesus must put down what they've been holding in place of him. I'm gonna put that up on the, I'm gonna say that one more time. Everyone who follows Jesus must put down whatever they've been holding in place of him. I'm almost done as the, as the band joins me. You know, Jesus says in, in Mark chapter four, verses 26 to 29, that the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crop on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. You know, what stands out to me is while he's asleep or awake, the seed is, is growing. The farmer just can't see it. The farmer can't understand how it's happening. You know, that the hardest waits are when you don't know how long you're gonna to have to wait for. Studies have shown this. They tried it in doctor's offices, right? Where, where there is a delay at the doctor, which, I mean, let's just be kind and honest. There is always a delay at the doctor, right? My mum's a GP. They're trying their best, but time works differently there. It just cannot be done, right? So when there is a delay at the doctor and, and they come out and, and, and they tell maybe a patient, hey, there's gonna be a delay of 30 minutes. The patient is initially annoyed. They're like, oh man, that's... That's a bit frustrating. But they settle in for the additional 30 minutes and it's, it's all right. But when they come out and they say to the patient, hey, th th there's a delay, but the doctor will be available soon. There's an increase in, in discomfort because they don't know how long they're going to be waiting for. Does soon mean five minutes? Does soon mean 10 minutes? Does soon mean two hours? When we don't know how long we're waiting for, it's uncomfortable, which is our issue, isn't it? Like we wouldn't struggle to trust God if we could see beneath the soil. If it actually worked like the televangelist said, and all we had to do was, was buy some blessing, get some blessed dirt, right? Find some sort of way. Here, I'm gonna send you out a packet of seeds and if you, you know, wave the seeds over your bank account, it's gonna quadruple in a month. If that actually happened, it would be easy to trust God. So it wouldn't really be trusting, right? God would become a genie in a lamp and we would figure out, as Christina Aguilera said, to rub it just right. This is not a lyric we really want to reference in church. Wasn't in notes, right? My point is God's not a genie. If you don't laugh when we're talking about generosity, it's, just, it's not going to work, right? But do we, you know, if we could see what was happening under the soil, if we could know the ways in which God was at work, then we would feel better. But God's not actually after our money. When we have moments like today where we embrace generosity, it's not actually about the money. It's about money as a vehicle to our trust. Right? We've titled this miracle offering Seed Time and Harvest because there's an opportunity to sow. 
There's an opportunity to be intentionally generous, to, to trust God. And we believe there's an opportunity for harvest. Right? This, this isn't a fundraising drive. The, the resources that we gather do allow us to do beautiful things. And you'll know if you came along to the information night where we talked about that and talked about how we're accountable for what we have. This is not a, hey, give us money and just trust us that it'll be used well. We have a high level of accountability and reporting. And if you didn't make it, but you are interested, there are some resources I'd love to share with you about how we are accountable and responsible with our generosity. But, but I love that, that we as a church do not just say to do one thing and do something else. But as a church, we are a generous church. And I mean that as an organizational level. When we take what we gather together, we then give that away again. Right? We're not about buying fancy toys or, or making life easier. I love the fact that the vast majority of our miracle offering three years in a row now has gone to meet the needs outside of our community to things like supporting relief efforts in India and Tonga, to, to helping with mental health support here in Ototahi, to establishing a debt center here. Having the resource ready means that we can respond quickly and, and I love that. But that's not the reason, right? We do not come together to be generous together just to have a, a war chest. It's not a fundraising drive. There is not a, a flannel graph of a thermometer that we're trying to fill. Instead, this is a, a yearly rhythm that we have to intentionally practice generosity. Because it's something that we want to intentionally seek. There, there's something that happens in us, something of the character of God that we reflect when we're generous, when we share, when we're a community of fellowship, of, of generosity. We describe ourselves as, as equippers. The goal of this is being in this community is that you would be equipped to be more like Jesus that we would follow Jesus in the life that He has for us. And so we commit to these practices, to talking about and doing our best to live out generosity. And again, no one has to, but we do wanna invite you to be a part of it because we actually think that this is good for us, that this is a part of following Jesus, that there are parts of us that only grow when we seek after these things. And we wanna acknowledge that, that we're better together that one of the beautiful things about church has always and will always be what we're able to do together. It's Matariki Manako Nui, right? Together we fill the storehouse. On our own, we, we don't carry as much. On our own, none of us can do what God has for us, but, but none, of us, none of us on our own can step into transforming our community. None of us on our own can, can do all that we're called to do to see something of the kingdom of heaven established here and now. You know, I was reminded of this uh, afresh. We were watching The Chosen. And we were re-watching that scene where there's the paralytic man carried to Jesus. And they can't get to him because there's a crowd surrounding the house in which he's teaching. So the friends of this paralytic man, they, they carry his mat to the top of the roof. You might know the story. And they, they dig a hole to be able to lower him through. And I was just simply reminded of the truth of the fact that we move things together that to see the impact that we wanna see in the city, to be the blessing that we wanna be in the city, to be the house that we wanna be, which worships God in the way that we feel called to, we all take a corner of the mat. Right, there are big needs out there. We're living in a time that is desperate for hope and none of us can be a savior. None of us can do this on our own, but what we can do is we can play our part. We can do what we can. We can give in the generosity that we have and the miracle happens. Like I talked about at Sign Up Sunday, we, we all fill the jars and Jesus turns the water to wine. We all sow a seed. 
We all take a step in the faith that we have and God does what we can't. God moves, God provides. The question is, what will we sow? And what will we sow even though we don't know what's happening under the soil? In fact, will we sow even if we don't know what's happening under the soil? Taking what is in our hand and trusting God, I feel like you're calling me to give this to you. I'm planting this in the soil of a church that I think is good soil. We are a generous people who are loving our community. God, I'm giving this to you and I'm sowing it. I'm trusting that you will do something. God, I'm trusting you will do something in the soil in which I'm sowing into. But even more importantly, I'm trusting that as I give, you'll do something in me. In a moment as the the band comes on stage, they're gonna lead us back into a song of worship. And as they do, the the hosts are gonna distribute uh, a form. In fact, hosts, if you could start to grab those now, that would be amazing. And, and on this form, I'd, I'd like you to, if you'd like to, you can take it, you can go and you can pray about it. By all means, do that. There's no pressure. The form will, just so you know what it looks like, will come up on the screen behind me. There you go. Right, and, and there's no, again, no one has to give. But our invitation today is we do believe we are called to be a generous people. And maybe in the midst of life going on, What you need most, I know what I need most, is to remind myself that I'm not God. To put myself in a counter-cultural position to say, God, even in the midst of things being hard, I can trust you. I don't know what that looks like for you. And again, like we said, we wanna, you know, make sure that there's wisdom. And and if the, the best way that you can be generous today is to make sure that you're in a position where you're out of debt, then we wanna support you in there. But those of us here today who are saying, hey, Things are tight, but, but I don't know if I can afford to be my own provider. This is simply an opportunity to, to worship, to remind ourselves, God, I trust in you. I choose to be generous, to give you what I have and believe that you'll do more with it than I ever could on my own, to trust that living in your hands and your will and trusting you and God is the safest place I can be. And so today is the as the host hand out these forms, we'd ask that, that you pray about it, that you think about it, that you do what you feel God is, is telling you to do because your conviction needs to sustain you. And when you fill it out today or later, you can give it in at the door as you leave. If you came today, you're like, I know what I wanna give. You fill it out, you can give it to a host, give it in at the help desk. You can give it in next week or, or maybe you came today and you're like, I wanna give one off. You can do that through our normal ways of giving, just add the specific and miracle offering. Church, just as the host of distributing those forms, why don't you stand to your feet with me? Like I said, in a moment, the band's gonna lead us in a song. Just as a, a vehicle to help us to, to still ourselves, to listen to what it is that God might be saying. But before they do, I'd love us to take a moment to pray. God, I thank you today that Generosity is an opportunity. It's never an obligation. And so I pray for us here today, first and foremost, just for an absolute clarity that no one would be here today feeling like, man, I have to do this or I'm being shaken down. God, because we don't do, wanna do the right thing for the wrong reason. We don't wanna miss the blessing of embracing generosity. And when we give from a place of guilt or shame or have to, we do the right thing for the wrong reasons and we rob ourselves of the opportunity to trust you. God, but I pray for those of us here today who are taking that step. 
We're saying, God, in the faith that I have, I'm stepping out and I'm choosing to trust you. I just pray for peace. I pray for joy today. That as we walk out of here, reminded of the fact that you are a trustworthy God, something in us settles into the right place. That today would not be a day of, of mourning or feeling uncomfortable, but that we would celebrate in our generosity. We would celebrate in the fact that in the midst of an uncertain world, you are a certain God. And we give as a way of reminding our hearts in a practical, real way that we don't need to hustle, that we don't need to deny, that we don't need to live in fear of the future, but that you are a trustworthy God. It's not always gonna be easy, but it's always gonna be worth it. And living in step with you, in your hands, is the best place we can be. God, I pray today you would bless what we give, but more importantly, you would bless the hearts with which we give, that we would be a people who are different to the world, that we don't try to amass for control, but we remind ourselves and those around us that you're a trustworthy God. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.